0: And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message.
1: There are many people who feel that the church is nothing more than a group of hypocrites. Maybe there are people in here right now that that feel that way, and you were asked to come here today. Uh, by someone else. Nothing more than a social club. Others will see us as outdated or kind of behind the times. You know, church was a thing at one time. We, we've evolved or we've grown past that, so there's no longer the same kind of need for something like church. There are also many within different denominations that will claim that the way that they do church is the right way and the only right way. And if you're outside of that, you're either doing things slightly wrong or, or completely wrong. Uh, there are a series of questions that come to mind whenever I hear these kinds of grumblings, and whenever I hear these kinds of statements, and I hear them very, very often, and you guys probably do as well. So here's, here are some of these questions. What does Pentecost, what we've talked about the last two weeks in Acts 2, what does Pentecost, or this movement of the Holy Spirit, Actually, produce? What does that look like in in the 21st century? All right, so what does a movement of God in that way actually produce? What does it look like? When we talk about church or a true expression of Christian love acted out in a community, what is it that that is supposed to look like? How do we know? Or at least hope we're doing it right. You ever think about that? How do we know with all these expressions of Christianity, and as we go beyond that, we think about expressions of other religions and all these movements that are in the world today, how is it that we know that we are doing it right, or at least hope that we're doing it right? So, this is the argument that I'd like to make today as we view this new kind of community or building an authentic community. Following Jesus with other followers of Jesus as a lifestyle, as a movement, following Jesus with other followers of Jesus will always out-preach, out-sing, and out-do anything that we can squeeze into an hour on Sunday morning. Sunday mornings are very important. Corporate worship is very important, and to this early church that we've talked about the last several weeks in the book of Acts, it is very important. This idea of getting together is important, but beyond that, what they're doing is they are creating a lifestyle together. Not a lifestyle of individual believers like you see so much today. You know the whole, um, I'm spiritual but not religious. I I love Jesus and love God but not organized religion. That crowd right there. How is it that we build this community and this idea of a lifestyle together? So I want you to think about your favorite food right now. And this is really hard for me and Beth. Beth. Because we just started a new diet today. And a minute ago, I'm worshiping. And she nudges me because I've got my customary granola bar that I eat right before I come up to preach. And she said, that's not in our diet. And I'm like, now is not the time. But, all right, so I've been scolded already. All right, so I want you to think about your favorite food. And let's say that because of your budget or because of your diet, You only get to have that food one time a week. And if I can have a food only one time a week, it's not going to be a granola bar. But you can only have it one time a week. Somebody said pizza. So this is what Sunday morning is like. Sunday morning is pizza time. Sunday morning is quesadilla time. Sunday morning is Chinese buffet time. All right, how whatever your favorite food is. Sunday morning is the time that you're surrounded by other believers to learn and worship out uh, uh, worship God. And that's wonderful. That's great. But if you want to be strong, you have to eat every day of the week. And sometimes, listen to this. What you eat those other days will hold more meaning than what you actually have on Sunday morning. So we're going to be in the last part of Acts chapter 2 today. We have been in Acts 2, we were in Acts 1 for two weeks, and we've been in Acts 2 for two weeks, and this is the last week, so the chapter's just a little bit longer, and sometimes it's just going to depend on how we decide uh, to break it up. So Acts chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 42 through 47. So this is what we've seen, this movement of the Holy Spirit that absolutely transforms and starts to change hundreds and thousands of people that are gathered in Jerusalem. After that, with the confusion, with the bewilderment, with the amazement, with all this is going on, Peter stands up and he gives what we would call the first sermon of the church. And that's what we talked about last week. So I love how this is laid out because what we see today are some practical implications of what it looks like to follow Jesus as a church for the first time. And listen, you can say to yourself, well, societies have changed a lot. That's for the first century crowd. That's for people who are not like us. There are literally diamonds here that we need to make sure that we are paying attention to. And even though we live in this you know, complex uh, post-industrial society. We need to be able to take these things and understand how to practice these things. So the last part of Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, the believers, this is after Peter's sermon, the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. That's a beautiful thing. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. Imagine that today. They would sell pieces of their property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to some people? No, to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. And this is what we saw last, last week. I believe the number was 3,000 last week because these numbers are constant throughout the book of Acts. The church is growing and growing and growing and growing and igniting this amazing movement. So in Greek, the phrase devoted themselves literally means that they attended to it constantly. So think about your children. Think about the things that are in your life that are important. You attend to these things constantly. You devote yourself to these things on a regular basis. It means to focus. It means to become a student of a process. It means to make a resilient commitment every single day. So this is where we separate ourselves from Sunday mornings. We make sure that we get dressed up. We try to make sure that we're on time. We know that we're going to see our friends, that we don't necessarily see other days of the week. We know that we're going to get, and I really, really don't like this expression, even though people use it on a regular basis. Well, I just got to get enough fuel on Sunday to get me through the week. You should be getting it every single day of the week. All right? This is not church. Monday through Saturday is church. This is the fill-up station. Church is when you go out among other people, and you're constantly in contact and fellowship with your brothers and sisters that are in the faith. This is how we grow. This is how we multiply. This is how we form a communal identity. Is that we learn how to do this with one another, without the lights, without the worship music, without the preacher, without all these other things, these elements that we have. So they are attending to this movement. They are attending to one another constantly. Constantly. They are devoting themselves to this idea known as church. So specifically, what is it that they are devoting themselves to? You see, Luke gives us this when he writes this. What is it that they are devoting themselves to? Number one, they're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. All right, They're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they're devoting themselves to the Torah in the Old Testament, just as any good Jew would. They are devoting themselves to the prophets, in the Old Testament, just as any good Jew would. But even more importantly, they are devoting themselves. Keep in mind that this group is within the same generation as Jesus. It's not been long since Jesus has been crucified. So they don't have access to the the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the way that we do. But they're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching about the risen Savior. This is the way that a new generation is formed. And listen, this is happening every single day. And if someone misses a day because of sickness, because of things with their children, because of work, because of whatever that looks like, they figure out a way to still create community the next day. They are constantly attending to these things. So they are being immersed in the life-giving word. I can't tell you how many times as a pastor That I've had to deal with conflict, or how many times I've met with a new leader to, to talk about some difficult things, but we start by opening up the scripture. And whenever they do, whenever we do that, it completely changes the dynamic of the conversation. People who call themselves Christians, people who call themselves followers of Jesus must be in the word daily. Now we all miss a day, you know, something happens. But if you miss constantly, and it doesn't bother you at all, there is a very, very significant issue. I am, I am difficult as a husband or a dad if I've been away from the Word 12 hours, let alone three or four days. Like You may have to tell me how you do it, because I just simply cannot do it. So they're devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings, but they're also devoting themselves to the community. Notice we're not talking about some kind of isolated Christianity, which is what we see today. I'm going to kind of do it my way. You do it your way. There's no accountability whatsoever. You're not allowed to speak into my life. I'm not going to speak into your life. Most of what I get from Christianity is just a devotion that I have for myself, or occasionally I might ask someone a question or look things up online, but they're not doing it together. And that's one of the beautiful things about believer's Church. I really believe, and I feel for those of, those of you that are connected in a deep way, that you feel as well as if we are doing it together as a body. All this life change, baptisms, what God is doing in our church right now, I feel firmly that we are doing it together. They commit themselves to the shared meals. They spend a lot of time together. And food is an amazing way to do that, which is why we don't need a diet. I'm just kidding. All right. But they commit themselves to the shared meals. Breaking bread, it's a beautiful way to get to know other people. I, I, can't even, I can't even tell you how many addicts, how many people going through incredibly difficult divorces, how many people with difficult circumstances, just there's something about bacon and eggs There's something about burgers. There's something about meeting up that just just breaks everything up. And this is what's going on uh, with these early followers, but also, and I love this one, probably the most, they're committed to their prayers. They are devoted on a regular basis to their prayers. And we know as a church, since the beginning of the year, when we did our 21-day plan together, that prayer changes things. And to be a fly on the wall... When these prayers are going on, even though I couldn't understand the language, just just if I had subtitles, I would love to hear what these prayers looked like, what they sounded like, the passion. It wasn't one of these where, okay, we've prayed for two or three minutes, now let's go back to the next thing. It's like they're constantly praying for this movement of God to happen. So these things are great. But how is it that people are being added to their numbers? So you've got the apostles teaching, that's wonderful, you've got the shared meals, you've got the community, you've got the prayers. These things are wonderful, but how is it that they're adding to their numbers? No lights, no stage, no gift for the new person, no t-shirt, no coffee mug, no good coffee. How is it that they are adding to their numbers? So I want you to get this part right here. This combination of formative values that must be there, not one of these, not two of these, not three of these, all four of these, this combination of disciplined, resilient, formative values brought an authenticity to their lives that was highly contagious so people didn't have to say, did you hear that? That church has got absolutely incredible worship. Uh, the pastor at that church, he's just wonderful. They've got the best kids ministry in town. All of these things, you know, this is, this is not it. What they're seeing is busted up marriages being restored. What they're seeing is people that are mean and abusive and angry like completely new people. What they're seeing is the blind being healed. And they're saying, I used to know that person. I used to know that couple. I used to know a little bit about them. I used to be able to see how much he could drink. I used to see her out at this place every single night. And they're completely new people. That's contagious. Because everyone has problems. Everyone has difficulties. And every single person that's ever lived has a God sized hole right here. And the way they want to see that formed and molded and changed is through life change in the, in, in the lives of other people, is through authenticity that's lived out in the lives of other people. This is what brings about the fundamental changes. And how does it happen? Through these formative values. Teaching, community, shared meals, prayer constantly. They're always meeting. They could have had a church in a barn in the middle of July with everyone just burning up, and it wouldn't have mattered with the life change that was going on. I have a friend in Kentucky who's who's planted a church. He comes from the, uh, he did a lot of jail time, comes from the recovery community. And the place that they worship, they're kind of in the process as a new church where they're just kind of doing the build up and the breakdown. You know, there at the end, they sit around these round tables at the church, and people are just flocking and flocking, and nothing special going on there with lights or technology. None of the money. It's just life change all the time because they are on their face before a holy God saying, We can't do anything without you. We need your help. We saw what happened on Pentecost. We saw this mighty movement. We saw the Holy Spirit come in and actually start to transform and change the insecure, the fearful, the doubting, all of these people in these places, and we want some of that. And it started to change people over and over and over again. There was accountability. And you don't get that outside of a Christian community. Most people hate accountability. There's agape. There is this unconditional love from one another, even though there are a lot of personality characteristics that they have that were very different. Possessions were sacrificed. Community was being built. All of the things that hold your soul into captivity, your stuff, your money, your bad relationships, started to be stripped away so that all of the new could be born and all of the new could come out. And the problem with the American church, and the issue that we have here, is that we cling to so much and we are so distracted by everything around us that we can't even see these things. So what do they do? They start to remove some of these things. Teaching, community, prayer, shared mills, and they're building something deeply, deeply contagious. Please understand this, because I'm going to hit just a little bit on Christian consumerism for just a second. A high production church will attract consumers. It will. It will get people in the door, but it will rarely make disciples. It'll get people there. They've got the best of everything, But you want to talk about resilient followers of Jesus? You want to talk about people that are going to go the extra mile, people that are not going to quit? Here's what I'm interested in. The resilient, deep, timely work that happens on the inside of a person. And it does not happen overnight. It's something that is often chipped away. Now, there are the big steps But there are also all these little tiny steps in which it's chipped away and chipped away and chipped away to get a man or a woman or a couple or a family in a position where they say Jesus or bust. This is the direction that my life is taking. You know, consumers, this is the nature of spiritual consuming. When things get hard, and listen, things get really hard in church. You guys know that. Things get hard in church. And things got really, really hard in the early churches. But I'm going to tell you something. When things get hard, they quit. Spiritual consumers, they disappear. They quit. If it feels boring, like if it's not exciting enough for a split second, they tune out. If something bad happens, they gossip. If the lead pastor or their favorite communicator isn't preaching, they don't come. Oh, 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 he's preaching? I'm not going to be there if so-and-so's not preaching. If there's a conflict, they hold a grudge. If something doesn't go their way, they pout. If you don't meet their needs, they go somewhere. They find somewhere where their needs will be met. Until their needs aren't met anymore, and then they find somewhere else. Because it's about them. Listen, no thank you. We don't need any of that. No, thank you. The apostles aren't building a cool weekend experience. They are building an army that will change the world. And that's the only thing that matters. It doesn't happen overnight, it doesn't happen in a 30 minute session of us trying to build strategy. The early church, this following that is contagious, there is one thing that matters. We are building resilient disciples around the teaching of Jesus. And most importantly, we're building it together. We're doing it together. You see, there are people who call themselves followers of Jesus, and they absolutely hate church. I just don't know how you're coupled with Jesus, yet you hate the bride. I can't, I'm trying to understand that because I could point at a lot of things we get wrong and a lot of mistakes that we make. And listen, the church has really hurt a lot of people. There's no question about that. But our identity and what we're actually built upon and what we're about, how is that easy? How do you marry those two ideas? So I want to mention just quickly because I talk about these a lot but some of you I know are newer, maybe you're here for the first time, what the core values are at Believer's Church. And the reason that I'm doing this is because I want you guys to have an understanding of how well I feel that it matches up with these core values of the early church and this identity of the early church. So what do we care about at Believer's Church? Number one, formation. And this means to become students of Jesus. It means that we take twice a year a particular spiritual discipline, giving, worship, prayer, scripture reading, fasting, Sabbath, silence and solitude, gratitude, whatever it may be. And we want our people to understand to the complete fullest extent what it means to follow Jesus. And for me, this is a lot like the apostles teaching, this is pouring into our people and giving our people challenges not to have this consumer Christianity, not to see church as the Sunday, the Sunday dinner or quesadilla time, but instead to see this as part of the experience of what it means to be a full follower of Jesus, because that's the only way that we change our region, is with full followers of Jesus. There is also community And this is to follow Jesus together. And this is really what we're talking about today. Christianity is not a faith of isolation and virtual church. And I don't know who needs to hear this today. I'm primarily speaking to an online audience whenever I say this. And before I say this, I would like to, to preface by saying that some people, because of certain conditions, if it has to do with health, you can't come to church. And I completely get this. But listen, this COVID thing, we're in a different place now. It's time for some of you to come back to church. It's time for some of you that are watching and listening right now to come back to church. Because there are people that are in this room right now that that was not easy for. Now, some of us, you couldn't keep us out the doors. But other people, that was not easy for But you have no idea, and again, some people are sick, some people have conditions. Virtual church, online church, it's a wonderful thing for a lot of different reasons. But how do you really get the sense of community that is not optional? Like, guys, I'm not talking about add-ons. I'm not talking about something that you could simply add to the Christian experience. This is central to the idea of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, There is also our third core value, which is servanthood. And this is to love others like Jesus. To understand, we've talked about love God with with the first core value, but to love neighbor is central to who we are. I know a lot of people who go to church, but they won't serve the poor. I know a lot of people who go to church, but outreach is just not their thing. I know a lot of people who go to church, they like to give money, but they won't forgive their enemy or serve their enemy. Servanthood is a central core value of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And then multiplication. And this is to increase the Jesus following movement. And what we are going to see as we get just a little bit further into Acts is that the persecution is really going to pick up in a strong way and the church is going to scatter. But when the church scatters, the church is not going to fall apart. The church is going to grow. And the only reason that the church grows is because resilient disciples that are not satisfied simply with a Sunday morning experience, but desire to live in community with other followers of Jesus start to get it, starts to catch on. And they start to recognize that they're living with these or, or, or worshiping and experiencing life with these other followers of Jesus. We're not all going to live together. All right, that, we're we're going to draw the line somewhere, but whenever they're all together living this lifestyle, that accountability is a real thing. That having to deal with your sin is a real thing. That restoration and redemption are very real things. So you don't need two of these core values. You don't need three of these core values. Think well, I'll just leave the servanthood part out because I'm really not, really not that crazy about people. Well, I'll just leave the the community part out because I'm just going to continue to kind of do this isolated thing. We need all four of these. So the goal in Acts 2 and the meaning behind our core values is to build resilient disciples of Jesus. These are individuals that with self-awareness, that are humble, full of God's love, and quitting is not an option. Quitting is never an option. So what is the result of the apostles' teaching? The prayer, the shared meals, the community. What is the result of this? Acts 2 in the latter part tells us, starting at the latter part of verse 43. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything they would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Please hear me whenever I say this. This is not advocating uh, socialism. What this is suggesting during this time is that you've got thousands and thousands of people that have crowded in Jerusalem for this festival, and all of a sudden, a lot of them decide that they are going to stay as a result of this conversion. And as a result of this life change. So naturally what you see in an urban area in a situation like this are new believers who need clothes. New believers who don't have any shelter. New believers who need all of these different things. And you want to know what people who weren't Christians right before this were willing to do? Give their own stuff away. Because they saw new brothers and sisters in the faith that had great needs and they met those needs. They, start, they, they shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and dis- demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. And as a result of what this looked like, the Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. Here it is. Miracles. Unity. Selflessness. Commitment. Simplicity in lifestyle, worship, growth, life change. Sign me up. I'm definitely on board with this. And my prayer and my hope is that we, as we look, you see, it, you can have a, a certain budget. And you can have a certain level of strategic thinking. And you can have some really good ideas that come from other churches. You can have all of those things. And you can plan Jesus right out of an experience. It happens all the time. Or you can pray. You can take in the teachings. You can experience this great wave of the Holy Spirit that is experienced in these moments. And you're changed, and you're changed forever. This church is going to transform our surrounding region. And I, I know that with everything in me. Because that's what my faith tells me. And that's what God confirms in my heart over and over and over again. But it does not take a good worship leader or a charismatic preacher Or a tremendously, just just like wonderful student ministry, or all the bells and whistles. It takes people who are willing to say, I'm finished drinking, and I'm gonna start treating my wife better. And I don't know how to do that on my own. I'm greedy. I've got everything in line for it. i built this wonderful life 25 years down the road. But it's robbing me right here. And if I have to, I'm going to give it all away. My husband has been telling me for years that I treat him poorly. And I don't know how to change that within me. God, I need help. And you see the people who pray these kinds of things, the people who understand that this is not just a Sunday thing, that this is not just part of your life. This is your life. This becomes your life. And then all of a sudden, all the struggles, all the darkness, all the things that you felt were destroying you become a story that is highly contagious and change everyone around you. I'm an example of this. And there are other people that are in this room right now, or maybe not in this room, that are part of this church that are also examples of this. How is it that we take our wounds, that we take our struggles, that we take our darkness and turn everything over to Him? We are building a resilient community here. We're in the early stages. And grace is the long game. There's no question about that. But what are you willing to turn over? What are you willing to give? Who is the next person that says yes to Jesus? With all heads bowed this morning and all eyes closed. Maybe you're in here today and, and, and you know that that darkness or some of those struggles are very present. And you'd be, you'd be willing and honest and open enough to say, God, I'm I, Matt, I'm struggling. And I know that some of these things are very present. They're very real. I don't know what's going on. But I'm at least honest enough to admit that I can't do it on my own. And that I'm in a place of struggle. Every day feels the same. It's this cycle. Would you be willing just to raise your hand? No one's looking around. Just so that I can pray for you. Anyone in here this morning? Thank you, sir. Anyone else this morning? It's in that place. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? There are others of you in here and maybe you would say, I have never accepted Jesus. I'm going to be standing down here this morning and I want to give you the opportunity to do just that. If God is dealing with you, if God is working in your heart, give you the opportunity to come down this morning, please. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day everything to be different for you if the Spirit is working through your heart and in your life in this very moment. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for your abundance of grace, for your goodness, for your mercy, for what continues to pour out in our our lives every single day. And God, for those that raised their hands and those that struggled with raising their hands, God, you see our hearts, you see our stories, you know where we are right now. And God, you are our ever-present help. You're in this place right now, and right now, Father, I know that you're whispering in some ears and screaming in others, and God, it's my prayer uh, as a church that we will be empowered by the work of the Holy Spirit to move us and to change us and to make us bold, but Father, that never happens. If we are not willing to take that step, if we are not willing to come toward you, Father, as you draw us in, And Father, it's my prayer this morning that you will do that, that you'll work in a mighty way among us. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church Podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit believerschurchjc.com and enjoy the rest of your week.